Welcome to the Rocky Mountain Christian Church Podcast. Rocky is a community of believers who want to know Jesus and love like Him. Let's take a listen to this week's message. What up, church? Hey, hope you're doing well wherever you're connecting with us today. If you don't know me, my name is Matt, one of the pastors on staff, and I'm glad you're here. Today's actually going to be a standalone message Sunday, meaning I I get the choice of of speaking whatever I want. So I'm excited. We're going to get into that uh, in just a second. But I want to give you this challenge and encouragement next week, the 16th. Uh, as Sean mentioned, we are going to be back in our buildings and also online. Going to be starting a brand new series as we begin working through the book of Philippians. Now, I'm really excited about this book. been reading uh, all through the book of Philippians this past week. So many good things. In fact, I was even a little, tempta- little, little tempted to, to jump into some of those Philippians passages this morning uh, because so much good stuff. And, and here's the challenge. It's going to be a four-week series, and I want to encourage you to be a part of every single Weeks. That means you can be with us live at one of our uh, two campuses. You can connect with us online. Uh, but even if you miss out on Sunday, I want to encourage you to make sure during the week you go and, and keep up with the messages. One will build on to the other as we keep working through the book. But it's so timely. The book of Philippians for us uh, individually as followers of Jesus and also as a church, I think God's going to have some really great stuff for us corporately and also individually. So don't miss out on that. Take the challenge. Uh, let's work through that book together as a church over the next four weeks. Look forward to seeing you next Sunday. Now today, we're actually going to start off talking about running a little bit, which is interesting because if you know me, I'm not a big runner. In fact, I, I really hate running. The whole time, whenever I'm running, the whole time I'm, I'm always thinking, why am I running? I don't want to be running. Uh, put me in a sport, put me on a basketball court, I'll, I'll run all day. But running for the sake of running for me is pretty tough. But I've been thinking about running over the last couple of weeks uh, because as I've been getting back in the gym, I've, I've noticed I've, uh, you know, I experienced over that COVID. You can put whatever number you want, maybe 15 or 10. Uh, going back to, you remember your freshman year of college or freshman 15. It's been a season uh, where maybe I've eaten a little bit more Chick-fil-A and ice cream than I usually do. And so I've had to incorporate some cardio back into my workout and uh, running just a part of that. And so as I've been doing that, I've, uh, there's actually a season of my life where I actually thought I was going to train to run a marathon, which is pretty crazy. But about 10 years ago, uh, one of my good friends, John Gregory, he's a pastor down in Florida. He's a marathon runner. And he invited me to come with him to a a marathon that he was running in uh, Virginia Beach. I was living in Virginia at the time. And so I said, yeah, sounds like fun. I'll go. And I had never been to a marathon before. And uh, it was a great experience. It it was really a profound uh, experience for me. I I can still remember to this day uh, because of something that happened at the finish line. And I'll talk about that in just a second. But uh, the morning of the race, uh, my buddy Johnny gets up. We get down to uh, the starting line. And there are thousands and thousands of people at this race race uh, because this race is a Boston Marathon qualifier. So there's a lot of people at this race that are running to get to a another race, a, maybe a more prominent race. Uh, this was a race also where internationally there are runners coming from all over the world. And um, in fact, some of the most incredible runners who come out of Kenya were there and got to see them. So this is a huge race. And so we get down and there's just people as far as you can see. And one of the things I, I noticed that was about every 25, maybe uh, 40 yards in this, you know, and, and the, the pile of, of racers working down this, uh, the main street was a runner that had a sign. And on the top of their sign, it had a finishing time for 
the race. And so I asked my buddy, hey, what's, what's going on with, uh, with these people who are running with signs? And he said, these are the pace runners. Uh, and so they've been put into this race and they're going to run at a pace that they will actually cross the finish line at the time that they are holding, which is just incredible. You can even run a marathon, but even more incredible, you get to a place you actually say, this is the time I will run. And the reason why they're in the race is because there's going to be certain people trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon and they need to be in front of that person. And so their whole goal for the race is to cross the finish line, but they need to cross it in front of whatever time they need to get to qualify for the Boston Marathon. I go, man, that's pretty cool. I, I, that, and so you would see like these groups, they would huddle around these uh, pace runners. And so the race starts, I actually, uh, it was early in the morning when it starts. I went back, slept a couple hours, came back because they were doing this huge loop. Uh, they come back through downtown again, Virginia Beach and Got to see everybody come through. So my buddy John gave him a high five. And you could tell that some of these groups were thinning out for sure. Not as many people with the pace runners uh, when they started. And then uh, a couple hours later, they, they do another loop and they come back to the finish line. Now, uh, the finish line is filled with people on both sides of the road. Uh, probably, you know, two, three hundred yards out from the finish line. There's just thousands of people who are watching. And I got as close to the finish line as I could. And this is the moment I'll never forget. As these pace runners are, are coming, things have definitely thinned out for sure. Uh, people aren't as grouped together as they were at the beginning and at mid-race. And it was so cool at the finish line. I mean, I just remember crying because uh, you, you, you've seen these, um, these pace runners who are running and they've got people they've been running with for hours and hours. And they're just so excited because they've gotten obviously to know these folks, but they know that these runners are going to qualify because then they're, they're encouraging, hey, just go get out ahead of me, get out ahead of me. And so they're going up and crossing the finish line from the pace runner. And as awesome as that was to see in the excitement and the joy of these people who have given it all, they've accomplished their goal. There were so many stories of pace runners who, who were running that last maybe 500 yards. And the runner who has been with them for the whole marathon begins to slow down a bit. I mean, they can see the finish line. And yet they, they're, just, man, they're just grasping for every breath, every ounce of energy. And here's the thing. The pace runner cannot slow down. He has to keep pace. And so as they're getting closer to the finish line, you would begin to hear, I mean, way out from the finish line, these pace runners begin yelling at these runners. These runners have been running with for hours who have to be in front of them. And it was gut-wrenching, friends. It's gut-wrenching. Because there were several of these runners who just missed it literally by feet. Just could not get across the line in front of their pace runner. And I was so moved that at all these stories that were happening at the finish line, I actually said, I'm going to run a marathon. I'm going to be a marathon runner. I want to experience this. And I went on a, a really small journey because here we are 10 years later. I haven't run a marathon yet. And I'll tell a story at the end of the message about my running career, so to speak. But it was so profound for me. Like I wanted to be a part of that and the challenge and you could see the the highs but also the lows and you begin thinking why why would some runners find some some more success maybe than than other runners or 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 if i had to say to you today like hey we're all going to go run a marathon we would quickly begin researching how can we find the most success in running this 
race. And there's been a lot of studies, not just in running, but in all arenas of life of why are people who are successful, successful? What are the attributes or characteristics that make them potentially more successful than other people? Uh, there was a study done by a, uh, now an author, but she's a psychologist, Angela Duckworth, who um, was a school teacher up in New York City for years and years and years, eventually went back to school, uh, became my psychologist, and she began on this journey to, to figure out uh, what is it that makes people successful. And she began looking at all areas of life. She actually started out at West Point looking and, and studying and interviewing these cadets at West Point, trying to figure out if she could determine uh, which cadets would be su- successful and which ones wouldn't, uh, to figure out why the ones who are going to graduate, why, why do they do so much better than the ones that are going to drop out. She went to the National Spelling Bee, same thing, and, and started hanging out with these kids and tried to figure out the kids that get the farthest in the National Spelling Bee. Do they have something in common that allows them to find success? She went to some of the most uh, large uh, businesses in our country, brands that, that you would recognize, and got into their sales department and marketing department, tried to figure out why were some of those in those departments more successful than others. She also went to some of the toughest school districts in our country, uh, some of the roughest neighborhoods, went in, began interviewing the teachers there and trying to understand why some teachers wouldn't last but maybe a, a, a year. And yet others would make it a career for their whole life. Why some of the classrooms, the kids were more successful than, than other classrooms. And it was interesting in her findings that when she began to keep uh, working through the data, the things that you and I might think are the reason why people are successful turned out not to be true. For example, she, she, she found that uh, success has nothing to do with uh, your IQ, has nothing to do with how smart you are or, or, or how smart other people are, has nothing to do about money. Doesn't matter how much money you make or how much money you have saved. She, she found out it has nothing to do with physical appearance, has nothing to do with race. It has nothing to do with any of those things. But it does have something to do with this thing uh, called grit. She kept finding no matter what area of life that successful people have this thing called grit. Which is this passion and perseverance for very long term goals. It's the ability to stick with a difficult task, not just for a couple of hours or even a couple of days or weeks or months, but, but think years. You're able to stick with something that, that is hard, but you're, you'll stick with it for, for years and years. Grit, it, it empowers you to live life like it's a marathon, not a sprint. You're able to think long term and it keeps you motivated. And in all her study, Angela Duckworth said the single most important factor for people to find success in whatever they do is grit. And it just so happens, and I love this, that when we get into the New Testament, we find a a bunch of New Testament authors that will actually say the exact same thing. And I think that's really cool when we do studies now. And we go back to something that was written 2,000 years ago that backs up what we're already knowing to be true. They even will frame up our life as a race. In Hebrews chapter 12, uh, uh, the author here kind of frames up everything about our life. And here's what he says, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And here it is, let us run. Let us run with perseverance or let us run with grit. 
the race that's been marked out for us. Verse 2, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith, for the joy set before him. Look at this, he endured. He got through it. He was gritty on the cross, scorning at shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. And so here's what we see, that life is a race. Life is more of a marathon than a sprint. And in this marathon, uh, there are people who have run this race already. There's people who've already lived on this earth, who, who were born and lived and died and they have finished their race. What the author here says is those heroes of faith, those who have run really good races are now kind of getting back to the race. And they're not running, but they're cheering us on. Those of us that are in the here and now that are running our race, uh, the author goes, man, they are cheering you on. They're encouraging you to do your very best, which I love. We could all use some more encouragement. And then here's the reminder. But there is one who didn't just run a good race, but he ran the best race, the perfect race. His name is Jesus. And there's a finish line where he is at and he's kind of essentially waiting for you. And so the author here says, if you're looking for some motivation in the race that you are running, you should keep your eyes on Jesus. You should work as hard as you can in the context of your race to keep your eyes on him. To obsessively be thinking about Jesus in all areas of your life. Now that's easier said than done. Because we're busy. And Running a marathon is hard. I don't know if you know that. It's hard. There's a lot of things that begin to creep into your mind. There are distractions all over your place that your body begins to ache. Uh, there are distractions on our race course, so to speak, in life. There are moments where it becomes really difficult to keep our eyes on Jesus. And yet, this is where we find our perseverance. This is where we find a little bit more of the grit that is needed to run a really great race. And, and here's what I think. There's a lot of traps and temptations. We get our eyes off of the race that uh, the author of Hebrews says is marked out for us. And we begin looking at races that have been marked out for other people. We begin critiquing how other people are running their race. I'll just put this in my notes. Good reminder for me and I think it's a good reminder for our church. Maybe we all should spend a little bit less time criticizing how other people are running their race. And focus more on how we are responding to the difficulty of ours. It's really easy to look at others and point the finger and how they are running their race and what we would do if we were running their race. But friends, the fact is this morning you've been called to run your race, not their race. And it's so easy for us to look at other people and how they're running and critique them and yet take our eyes off the very race that we have been called to run. Despite the, the difficulties in your life, despite whatever uh, course is ahead of you in your race, here's what God says. He wants you to keep your eyes on Jesus. Now, notice he says Jesus. Not your kids, not your spouse, not your governor, not, not your superintendent of your school district, not your president. If you're going to run a good race, if you're going to persevere and endure, and if you're going to choose to be gritty, then you need to keep your eyes on Jesus. And here's why. Because he's the, he's the author of your faith. Without Jesus, there would be no cross. No cross, there's no resurrection. If there's no resurrection, there's no hope. If you have no hope, then friends, there's no race. You've been called to run. 
and your motivation is Jesus. We've been called to keep our eyes on him and not to be distracted by the things of this world. Now, Jesus will keep it real for you. He'll let you know how difficult the race will be. He actually says this in John chapter 16, verse 33, and I love that Jesus is a straight shooter. He says this, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. Notice it's in Jesus. In this world you will have trouble. Aren't you glad you came to church? You will have trouble. We don't, we don't acknowledge that enough. It's not going to be all kicks and giggles. Your race is not always going to be downhill. There's going to be some days that are going to be tougher than others. You will have trouble. But look at this. Take heart. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Why? Well, he, he's overcome the world. And he finished his race well. And he has set you up for success. So followers of Jesus are not promised a life of comfort and well, Jesus himself warned his followers of the suffering that will be part of our race. I mean, outside of Jesus, when we read the New Testament, probably the next guy that comes to mind when it comes to just being gritty, enduring, and persevering some really difficult things, probably the Apostle Paul. And the reason why we talk about the Apostle Paul, because he just, he went through so much. And he kept moving forward. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he's writing again to the church in Corinth. And he walks through almost like, hey, guys, you want to know I'm for real? You want to know like everything I've gone through? He kind of works through it. Here's what he says starting in verse 24. He goes, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was uh, pelted with stones. Three times I was shipped wrecked. Most of us just stopped right there. We would have quit. And three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I have been constantly on the move. I have been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles. I mean, he just listed every single person in the world. In danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at the sea, and in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I have known hunger and thirst and have often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. Besides everything else, I have I faced daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. I love after that whole list. He goes, and I feel the tension of, of having influence in the local church. Now, here would be the question. If Paul was here, if we could sit him down and just have a little interview, here's what I ask him. Paul, what, what was it that allowed you to endure so much? Why so gritty, Paul? I mean, what did you do to get to a place in your life that you were able just to keep moving forward in the context of your race? I mean, your race involved shipwrecks. It involved, as you say, being cold and naked. I mean, how would you do it, Paul? How did you get through? And here's what I think he'd say. Well, I was looking at the finish line. I was looking at what was yet to come. I understood what the author of Hebrews was saying, that Jesus is at the end of his thing. Consider him. And he was all that I needed to get through some of the difficulties of my race. In fact, Paul will get to the end of his life, and 2 Timothy is, is probably the last letter that Paul wrote. He, he's writing it from a, a jail cell in Rome. He's probably just in some hole in Rome. 
He's writing to Timothy who's in Ephesus. Timothy's also a pastor and Paul is writing to encourage him. And he keeps reminding Timothy, man, there are difficulties that are coming. Timothy, there's going to be some moments where you might question just about everything in your life. But you persevere. You endure because it is worth it. Consider Jesus. Think on Jesus, keep reminding yourself, but you should expect, if you're smart, Timothy, you should expect some tough days. And Paul, in the midst of this letter that he's writing to Timothy, he'll, he'll write this. It's almost kind of like he's signing off. And most biblical scholars will say after he writes this letter, uh, Paul will be led to his death. He'll be a martyr for the faith. He says this, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I crossed the finish line. I have kept the faith. I never wavered. I held strong. And now there is in store for me. Here's here's why he did all that. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. He held strong. He kept the end in mind, and he never wavered in the faith. I mentioned at the beginning of the message, I started out in this journey of thinking that one day I was going to run a marathon. And after that first marathon I witnessed, I did. I began training and I began running. I actually did a 5K, and, and that went pretty well. And then about a year later, I decided to do a 10K. And this 10K was actually put on by our, our local church at the time. It was partnered with an organization called Freedom 424. Really cool uh, organization. You can go check them out online. But they exist. They are battling the sex slave industry in Thailand. And it's called Freedom 424 because it costs $24 to buy a girl out of a bar in the red light district. And so Freedom 424 would raise these funds and they would actually go over on these trips and they would walk into these bars and they would buy every single girl that was uh, working that night. And they would actually shut down the bar, which is pretty incredible. And they would take hundreds and hundreds of these girls back to a ballroom in a local hotel and they would pamper these girls for the whole evening and, and just love on them. Feed them an incredible meal and pedicures and everything and haircuts and just reminding them that they are beautiful and loved. And at the end, they would present the gospel message and also an opportunity that if they wanted to step into a different direction in their life. And so many incredible stories through that mission. And so they would put on this race, Freedom 424, and you would show up and, uh, and you would pay your $24 to run the race and all those proceeds would go to uh, this organization. And one of the cool things about this race is they would write the name of one of the girls that they had interacted with on your arm. And they would say, you're going to run this race for her. That's who you're running for today. Now, before the race, I got in front of our church and, and you know me, I just run in my mouth a little bit and I said, hey, I'm going to run this 10K and I'm not going to walk one step of this race. I'm going to run the the whole thing. And knowing I, I knew that was going to push me a little bit. I'd never run a 10K before. Even in my training, I was having some difficulties, again, because I'm just not a natural runner. And, and, and as I got closer to race day, I asked a guy in our church who's a former Marine to run with me, super fit guy, could probably run marathon if he wanted to. And, and I said, listen, when we're running this race, don't let me walk. Don't let me walk. I got to run this thing. And he said, yep, I'm in. And so we start the race the morning of. And the first mile, friends, I'm not, I'm not joking. I was having trouble. 
I don't know if it's just the idea of thinking how long the race was. It's longer than any other race I had run before, but I was really struggling. And he was being very kind and encouraging. And, but it's the first mile. You're trying to work some of that out, find the right uh, pace. We get about to the halfway point, and I was really questioning just about everything in my life. Why did I run this race? Why did I decide to run this far? Uh, but I went past the halfway point, which the year before I turned around in the 5K. But this year I was going farther out. And I didn't even really know what the rest of the course had looked like until this moment when as I'm running and I'm getting back to the last third of the race, I see a hill. I see a steep hill where runners have turned around and they're coming back. And on the other side of the road, they begin running down this hill. And I look over to my buddy who's running with me and I said, do we got to run down that hill? And he said, we'll deal with it when we get there. So he didn't answer the question, which I knew meant yes. And by the time we get to that hill, uh, we start running down. And the whole time I'm thinking, we've got to run back up this hill. I don't have what it takes. And I begin communicating that to him, saying, I, I don't have what it takes. I, there's no way, dude, I'm getting back up this hill. I can barely run down this hill. And he just kept encouraging me, saying, you got it, you got it, you got it, you got it. And we get down to the bottom, and I remember the first couple steps going back up, and you're seeing the hill, and it is massive. I mean, it, it might as well be Long's Peak. I'm tired. My body hurts. And he's going, let's go. And he begins to lean into me like no one has ever leaned into me before. I don't remember everything that he said, but the niceness was gone and life got real. And he was in my face asking me to dig for everything that I had. I don't know how, but sometime, somehow I got to the top of that hill. I got to the finish line and there was a sense of release, um, of relief and, and accomplishment not only because I finished a race, because that was going to be the end of my running career. That was it. I was all done. I was all done. But I remember what that felt even to this day. But it was so stinking hard. I didn't know that hill was there. And if it was, I may have changed up the idea of running a 10K. But the fact was I persevered and I pushed through. And I had somebody with me who was encouraging me all the way. Thinking about what it will feel like when I cross the finish line. Thinking about who I'm running for. The, the name of the young lady who was on my arm. And it pushed me through. And this is what the author of Hebrews is talking about. You're in this race. And friends, everybody is saying the same thing. There will be hills. There will be hills. Unexpected hills. There will be days when you don't think you've got what it takes and you're running low on energy and your body is hurting. There will be years like 2020 that was unexpected. It just feels like every other day all the information you get is negative and we're going in the wrong direction. Jesus said it. Paul said it. Peter said it. Timothy said it. All these people said, look, you will have trouble. But if you're going to be gritty, if you're going to keep moving forward, if you choose not to give up, it will take you keeping your eyes on the one who's already running. And his name is Jesus. And Paul goes, if you want to know how I'm so gritty, it's because of the one I considered who's already run before me. It's Jesus. And we keep our eyes on him. Friends, how else can we build some grit in the context of our faith and in our church if we never experience some uphill moments? It is tough. Life is tough. 
Life's not fair. We all have different races that we are running. We've gotten some tough news this year. Things that we would like to see different happening this fall or maybe going in the other direction. And yet, here's what I'd say. We can critique and we can complain. Or we can be gritty. We can see the race that is out ahead of us in the next mile or two. May not be how we would prefer it to be. And it's uphill a little bit. And yet, if we choose to keep our eyes on Jesus, there are good things to be had. There's a win for you and me and our grittiness that as it increases, we're able to accomplish more for the kingdom. So let's run. Let's run the race that God has put in front of us for the sake of us individually and finding success and what God has called us to in this life, but for the sake of the church, for the sake of our kids and for the sake of our marriages. This is the moment. This is the test where we can choose to give up or we can choose to be gritty. And push through and leverage this moment for years to come. Because I believe in these gritty moments and these uphill runs, these are some of the moments that God does his best work. Whatever area of life you're struggling with right now, whatever is uphill, here's what God says. Here's what Jesus said. Here's what Paul did. Don't give up. Don't give up. Be gritty. And let's keep our eyes on Jesus. Consider him the author and perfecter of our faith. Let me pray for you. Father, today, with those who are watching, who find themselves in the midst of their own individual races, I know it's been a tough year. And for many, it's been uphill and it's been challenging and it's been tiring and exhausting. A sense of almost of these false summits, feeling as though we're, we're almost past this season and yet you get some new information and you realize there's a couple more miles to run. God, I pray that your church, I pray that followers of you would find comfort in the sense that you have already told us that in this world there's going to be some trouble. It won't always go as we think it should and yet we've been given everything we need to run the race well. I pray that we would be a church that keeps our eyes on you, that we would think not just in days or weeks or months, but years. And that this is a season of opportunity for us to build our grittiness, to increase our perseverance and endurance because there are harder days to come. That we would think like Paul in the midst of all the tragedies that he lived through, that he, he essentially said, I think of the day where I cross the finish line, I get to meet Jesus face to face. There's a day coming that is far better than today. And I pray that in the meantime, we would be a gritty church, a church that will persevere and endure for the sake of the kingdom. May we live in this season with enough grit that we would give, as Paul would say, credit to the gospel. A gritty church that refuses to take our eyes off of Christ to run our race well. And we pray this in the name of Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Amen. Thanks so much for being with us today. Hope you have a great week. Want to see you back here next Sunday as we launch into our new series. We'll see you then.